If you offer free shipping on your shipping templates, it is not free. Remember, it's not free. You are paying for that shipping. So just make sure you're adding that in and you should be good to go. If you're saying it's taking all of your profits, then you need to reevaluate your profits, right? Because you can't just scan something and hope that it's going to make $5. Hi, and welcome to Your Selling Podcast. I'm your host, Nikki Kirk, aka Your Selling Guide. I'm a small town girl who took a big risk and quit a steady corporate desk job to travel the U.S. in an RV. Along the way, I started selling on Amazon, grew a seven-figure business, visited all the lower 48 states, bought a farm, and today I am still doing what I love to do, selling on Amazon while helping other sellers do it too. Each week, I will share Amazon tips and tricks and bring in guests to share their stories, expertise, and tips on the platforms that they use. Think of this as a sit down with your Amazon bestie where you can learn, ask, start, and grow your online selling business. Welcome to Your Selling Pod. Hey crew, and welcome back to another episode of Your Selling Podcast. Today is a solo show, but I will be back next week with another awesome interview guest. If you would like to be on this podcast, just a reminder, if you sell online in any way, shape, or form, I want to chat with you. You can email me at podcast at yoursellingguide.com and I will get in touch with you so that we can hear your story come to life on the podcast. So this week I'm going to be answering some of your questions that came in both on YouTube and Instagram at Your Selling Guide on Instagram and then of course on YouTube I am Nikki Kirk. If you have a question that did not get answered on today's podcast, please feel free to email me at that same email, so podcast at yoursellingguide.com or if you're in the YSG community on Facebook, you can tag me anytime in the groups. Tag me with your question, comments, whatever you need. Just go ahead and tag me there and I can answer there. Jumping right into the Instagram questions, this first one comes from Raquel. How many months of the year are you traveling? So I am traveling right now this year. It looks like it's going to be six or seven months out of the year. So I'm not traveling in the RV anymore. I'm stationary here outside of Tulsa, Oklahoma. And I have been traveling by air the last year and a half. And so it's been really awesome. So I have a couple vacations. I've already been on one this year. I have another one planned. And then I've got the meetups that I'm traveling around for as well as travel sourcing because y'all know I love to travel source. So this year, it's like every other month because I'm trying to not be traveling all the time, even while traveling quite a lot. But yeah, so that's how many months, six or seven, I think I'm at so far for 2023. Katarina asked, how much do you have to make to get a 1099 from Amazon? So in 2022, the law had changed from the IRS that to get a 1099, the threshold was now, it, it used to be 20000 and now it's down to $600. However, at the last minute, like December, I think it was like 26th or something of 2022, they said, okay, we're going to give everyone a pass. So that means a lot of sellers might not have got a 1099 from Amazon this 2022, but they should in 2023. Now they could change it again because what the 1099K is, it is a 1099, but for anything that was electronically like process. So that means the payments processing through Amazon, the payments processing through Shopify, through eBay, through PayPal, like, no, sorry, not Shopify, Poshmark is what I meant to say. Um, anything that's electronically processing those payments is going to get a 1099K. So that's a lot of people. It's pretty much anyone who uses PayPal, you know, Venmo, 
Amazon, right? Like that's a lot of people. So they put like a hold on it probably to help those big corporations out to not have to process so much paperwork. But supposedly things obviously could change because I did a whole video like early December last year and then the last minute they changed the law or the rule. So my video was kind of outdated before it even went live. So anyways, it could change. But as of right now, it's supposed to be that in 2024, you will get a 1099 from Amazon if you did over $600. So if you have payments through PayPal that people have sent you money, if it's over $600, you should be getting a 1099. So I get them from YouTube. I get them from uh, PayPal. I have a couple PayPal accounts. I get them from Amazon. So you might have a lot of 1099s next tax time. Katie asked, are you concerned with OA that your items might not match the exact ASIN once it comes to you? So I do a lot, like I'm, I'm concerned before I order. So I do a lot of research into it. Like I look at the photo, look at the photo, even if you're ordering just at Target, like sometimes the photos are different than on Amazon, either Target's is, or, or is old or Amazon's photo is old. But as long as the item is the same, so for example, at Target, I think the brand is now called Good and Gather, but it used to be called like Arch something. It's not Archwell. That's the Duchess's, right? But it was something like Arch something. So that's what it used to be. And so I've listed on some of those like mixed nuts from Target. I've listed on the, it's got the old photo, but it's the same exact stuff. So there's things like that um, where I kind of know ahead of time, but I do all the research. So like on Target, you can actually see the UPC of an item if you really want to double check. So I make sure at least one of the photos matches on Amazon if I'm concerned to the point where like I can't return this item for whatever reason to whatever store I'm buying it from. I do a lot more research ahead of time. If you get it and it doesn't match and you got it from Walmart or Target, you could just return it, right? But if it's from a store that you can't return or you're not sure, you've never ordered from it before, I do a lot of research on the upfront. So I'm not super concerned once it arrives, once I place my order, because I've already done the research ahead of time. Summer asked, I live in California and shipping FBM takes up all my profit. Any advice? If you are doing FBM and you are saying that shipping takes up all your profit, then you're not doing FBM right. You should be calculating that shipping into your cost of goods before you ever buy it. So I've had this, I think I've said this before, but I, when Amazon got rid of that shipping credit for FBM finally in the app, so that stupid shipping credit that we all never got, but that was always there messing with the app is gone. So now in the app, when you scan something, you can see the fees, you can add in how much you're going to estimate that it costs to ship to the customer and how much you are paying for the item to see how much profit you're going to make. So you can do all this on the upfront, which is what you should be doing. If you do not know how much something is going to cost to ship, then you want to make sure that you are overestimating it. So maybe $15 is what you're going to buffer in if it's a larger item or it's over a pound. If it's under a pound, fits in a lightweight padded envelope or a small light box, and you know with the box it's going to be under a pound to ship, well, then you know at the very most that thing's going to cost $6.50. If you're saying you live in California and maybe you have to ship all the way to Maine, right, or Florida or something, that might cost you $6.50 at the very most if it's under a pound. But you want to have all that information ahead of time. So if you're unsure when you're listing something, make sure that you only list one. And if you're unsure, charge for shipping. Even if you're only charging $5 for shipping, at least you know you have a little bit of a buffer room. 
Make sure you're turning off those two-day or expedited shippings if you are not comfortable with the possibility that that might cost $40 to ship. If you're not sure about that or you can't do it, turn it off while you learn it. Whenever someone says that they are losing all their profit with FBM for shipping, it just tells me that they're not totally like they're not processing it right because you should be saying it cost me $5. It's going to cost me $6 to ship. So now I know this thing costs $11. I have to make at least what if it's for me and I have to make $5, then I'm saying I have to make $16 profit. Like if I scanned something in the app and I didn't enter any info as far as cost of goods or cost of shop, it would have to tell me it's going to make $16 profit as is so that once I add the cost of shipping, once I add the cost of the product, I know, okay, now I'm making $5. You have to factor all that stuff in. And if it's actually great if you live in California, because you know that a majority of your stuff might cost a little bit more. Cause I know I'm in Oklahoma. I'm kind of center, right? But I know if I go anywhere on the West Coast, those are going to cost a little bit more to ship. And since you're in California and you know most stuff is going to cost a little bit more unless you're on the only shipping to the West Coast people. If you offer free shipping on your shipping templates, it is not free. Remember, it's not free. You are paying for that shipping. So just make sure you're adding that in and you should be good to go. If you're saying it's taking all of your profits, then you need to reevaluate your profits, right? Because you can't just scan something and hope that it's going to make $5 because it says that you have to factor in the shipping for FBM. So just reevaluate, be like, okay, no, I can't buy anything that doesn't make at least, you know, $20 because my shipping might cost 15. You just have to reevaluate that, redo it in your head to what your minimum is going to be. There's nothing quite like that sound of a new order coming through on your Amazon account. But do you know how much you're actually making on those orders? Your Selling Podcast is excited to partner with Sellerboard. Sellerboard is an accurate profit analytics for Amazon sellers as well as eBay. With just a quick login to the app or your dashboard on a desktop, you can see what your true numbers are for all of your Amazon orders by the day, week, or month. I love to use it to forecast out how I'm going to do that month and use it for my planning. Sellerboard doesn't just tell you your profit, though. They actually do so much more. So if you're creating a private label listing or you're making your own bundles, you can use Sellerboard to get reviews for your product pages. Sellerboard is a robust profit analytics tool, and I use it every day in my Amazon business. You can try Sellerboard yourself, connect it to your Amazon or eBay accounts, and see how it works for you. Get two months free by going to yoursellingguide.com slash sellerboardprofit. Again, that's yoursellingguide.com slash sellerboardprofit. Try Sellerboard today and get the true profit picture of how your business is doing. Kyler asked, what are your ratios FBA to FBM and what are your weekly goals for spending as far as sending in shipments? So, Kyler, I am 90% FBA and like 10% FBM. I still don't have a lot of room. I have a little storage shed at the moment. So I don't have a lot of room to hold stuff. And so I'm doing most FBA. Also, FBM can kind of get frustrating or like kind of like a gnat. It's like annoying sometimes when I have to do, you know, one or two orders a day. And it's not a lot, but it does take time. And so it's like 
for whatever reason, I don't know who's account for that time every day. And so they can be kind of annoying. So I actually just a couple weeks ago went through my shed and sent in a lot of stuff FBA because I was just kind of overdoing it FBM. But I do enjoy FBM, especially when I have a hot product that's making lots of profit. I like to sell it fast and you can sell it fast with FBM. As far as what my weekly goals are on spending. So anytime I go sourcing, I currently go sourcing every other week until Q4 rolls around. Then I'll be going uh, once a week, if not twice a week. So I currently every other week and I like to send in, I mean, I'm buying as much as will possibly fit in my truck. So it's not so much a spending goal, but I do like to fill the truck. And if I can fill the truck, then it's like anywhere from 300 items to 400 items in a shipment. It just depends how big they are, obviously, because how full the truck gets. But that's how I kind of do it. I don't have a spending goal as far as money, but I do think I spend probably two to $3,000 every time I go out sourcing on the low end. Um, during Q4, I can spend $1,000. Actually, just last week, I hit a Walmart clearance and spent $1,000 at Walmart. So I spend $1,000 year round at Walmart, but I can spend, you know, 2000 3000 last year at this one liquidator. I was spending 8000 I think one was like 12000 on one purchase. So obviously, it's just where you're at in your business and how much capital and spending you have. But I like to have the item goal versus how much money I spent on the items. I like to send in anywhere from, if I'm around 300 items every shipment, I feel good about that. Silvio said, I would like to start and sell on Amazon doing FBA, but it is very hard. I need help. So that is what I'm all about, Silvio. So I have the beginner FBA selling course, which is the step-by-step -step how to get started selling on Amazon. It walks you through your first six months of selling on Amazon from starting your account, what to source, how to source, how to find products, how to send them in FBA or FBM if that's what you want to do. It tells you how to pull reporting, look at what's selling, all of that step-by-step -step with videos. It also has audio so you can listen to it as a podcast if you want to. And then it's got written transcripts. Also has a free community online so that you can ask questions. I'm in there every day answering anyone's questions that they have. And so you can chat with other sellers there. It's at beginnerfba.com if you want to take it. Now, I, that's the way I learned. That's why I made the course like that. I like the step-by-step -step course. I like people to lay it all out for me so that I don't have to think about that while I'm trying to learn. I don't have to dig and, and find out what I don't know or what I need to learn. I just like it all laid out for me. If you do or, or fine or you have a budget that you can't afford certain things, there is everything out there on YouTube. But again, it's going to take some digging around. So I have the free YouTube videos as well. So there's that. So I have a lot of resources, either free or paid. So I'm there to help you in that regard. Anytime you're starting something new, especially starting a new business, it is scary. So my main advice is to just start because you're never going to learn it if you don't start doing it. And this is one of those things that you have to learn it by doing it. So definitely start, make those steps, whichever ones they are, and just know that you're going to be scared. Know that it's going to be rough. You're going to make mistakes, but just start. Ashlyn asked, how did you come up with your sales ranks that you use? Keepa will show a higher number, but then it says it's still in the top 1% of the category. So my sales ranks, I use Jungle Scout. It's a free estimator. It's not the paid Jungle Scout. It's junglescout.com slash estimator. It's a free resource that you can use. You can put in what uh, 
country, so the United States, and then you put in what category and what that rank is that you're looking into, and it'll tell you how many a month that that sells. Now, there's more factors into it. I walked this through in the beginner course. I walked this through. Well, there's probably some videos out there that I've done the same thing, but then it comes into how many other competitive sellers and all that stuff. So that comfortable sales rank that I currently use myself is different than the free rank guideline that I give out. So if you're on my website, yoursellingguide.com, there's a free rank download that you get when you sign up for my email list. It's linked in the show notes always, so you can just sign up for it and get it sent right to your inbox. That is for new sellers specifically. And the reason I came up with it, again, using Jungle Scout, is to help sellers buy stuff that they know is going to sell within a month or two because when you're new you really need that snowball to be going so that you are able to kind of flip your money and see that it's working and get that inventory ball rolling because normally you don't start with a lot of money to begin with so you have limited inventory so those ranks are there as like if we're talking bowling they're like the bumpers or they're like training wheels they're there to help guide you as you're learning to help minimize mistakes like not buying something that has a really high rank or buying something that has no rank. So that's what those are there for. The ones that I personally use are ones that I have grown comfortable with after testing out over the years. So in 2022, I tested out buying higher ranks in beauty. So as an example, to look at what Ashlyn was talking about, I pulled up an item that I'm selling that's ranked 200,000 in beauty. That is too high of a rank if you're just starting out. I mean, you can obviously test it if you want to, but it's gonna take a little bit longer to sell. I am totally fine with that. It might take two to three months to sell. That's fine with me because the profit is there. When I looked up this 200,000K beauty item, in Keepa, it says top 2%. So I'm, I never look at this in Keepa. I just, I've tested to see for myself in my own business what ranks I'm comfortable with so in home, I will go up to 250, 300,000 because I know that in home, those categories will sell. In kitchen, 300,000 is not going to sell nearly as fast. That's kind of too high. So in kitchen, I like to stay around 200 at the very most. In clothing, I won't go over 50,000. The reason is that clothing has so many variations in it that 50,000 but when you times it by how many variations are on it, that rank is actually not that low of a rank because it's going to have a lot of things on that one product page. So there's a lot of different things in it, and most of it just comes from me testing out different things over time. Yanith asked, what's next after Amazon? I know it could be a forever business, but do you plan for that? So for me, I have all these other plans for businesses like outside of Amazon per se, but that I'm leveraging Amazon for. So like we want to renovate RVs, that has nothing to do with Amazon. I have other plans for another business that absolutely has something to do with Amazon. But as far as my Amazon business, like retail arbitrage, I love retail arbitrage. I'm never going to stop retail arbitrage unless someone makes me stop. I actually have so many plans to grow my Amazon business specifically because now that I'm stationary, I'm building the warehouse so that I can, so that I can get more pallets, wholesale buying, so that I can do more bundles and really kind of grow this business in a way that I couldn't while I was traveling. How I did it while I was traveling was perfectly fine and what I wanted. It was part-time and I did it every week. I sent out a shipment. But I also took time off to travel and see where we were at in the world because we traveled all over the 48 lower states. So I wanted to explore and see all the different areas. So how I 
I couldn't do FBM when I traveled, really. I couldn't do, you know, big orders of online stuff. So now that I'm more stationary, I can. So I'm excited, actually. I have a lot of plans to grow specifically my Amazon business, as well as little branch things that are going to happen off of that business. Okay, now we're going to jump into questions from the YouTube community. So this is from my channel at Nikki Kirk. Sparky had a couple of different questions. So number one, when you buy wholesale, what's the quantity like? So currently I'm only buying from a toy distributor and you have to spend a minimum of, I think it's $1,500 on an order and they ship on pallets, they ship via truck. So it's a bigger one. As far as how many of each item I'm ordering, I tend to order because I got a little bit burnt on my first pallet, got super excited and I ordered, you know, maybe two case packs and now I just kind of do one case pack and I see how it goes because it's the same as retail arbitrage. Things can start to tank. So I'm just buying like one, but that one, it could have 72, it could have 48, could have 24, could have eight, could have four. It just depends what that case pack of the item is. So if something only has three in the case pack, maybe I'll buy two or three of them. But yeah, so there's a minimum order total quantity. And then there's when you're ordering individual things, there's little minimums based off the case pack because a distributor most likely is not going to break up a case pack for you. Question number two is my sales are slow even though the ranks are good. Any advice on how I can increase my sales? So there are times of the year when things are slow. So June is typically a slow month in retail overall. So there's like things that you can kind of factor in like maybe you want to have more staple goods. So more like coffee, you know, soap, face lotions, things that people are going to buy year round no matter what. My recommendations are always to have a wide variety of products. So if you have a ton of seasonal items and that season hasn't yet taken off, that might be why. Like even though they're good ranks, there's just not people buying that stuff just yet. But if you have a wide variety of stuff, so you've got some seasonal stuff, you've got some home stuff, you've got some grocery, you've got, you know, health and beauty, a bunch of different stuff that will help. At the end of the day, sometimes it just comes down to a slow time. So anytime there's a, like Easter weekend is always slow. It just depends if people are out. That's why I think June is slow for retail year. Just overall, all retail all over, not just Amazon, is because that people are out enjoying. It's finally warm out in most places. People can go outside and have fun. Kids are on vacation. Families start going on vacation. So I think that's why June is slow overall. And then anytime there's a holiday where people are out doing stuff, so Memorial Day weekend, where everyone's out barbecuing and all that, like they're not shopping online necessarily. So you kind of have slow times like that. And the third question from Sparky was, do you promote your listings on other non-Amazon channels? I do not. So I'm only listing on Amazon at the moment. I have stuff that I've listed on Poshmark and eventually I will get to eBay, but I don't promote them like anywhere else. Like I don't promote my Amazon store on my website or anything. I'm just buying products that are already selling. They sell themselves. So I don't have to do anything about it. Aditya asked, hi, Nikki. I have a question regarding creating a new listing. I want to know if I can create a new listing for a product which is not selling on Amazon, but has a UPC code. And also how to create a new listing for a product that is already selling on Amazon, but with too much competition. So the first one, if you want to sell something that is not on Amazon, but that has a UPC, the best case scenario is to actually ask for a generic, uh, what do they call it? 
When you're listing something, there's a little box there that says my product does not have an identifier, meaning it doesn't have a UPC, even though it has a UPC. So you click that and then it's going to take you through to basically ask for approval like you're getting ungated. Once you do that, then you can create generic listings without the UPC. Now you can enter the UPC and try to create the listing that way, but most times that UPC already lives somewhere on Amazon, even if it's a bad listing or in my case, every time I tried to do it, it was already, it was saying it was like this other product that was already on Amazon, even though it wasn't the same product. So it would never let me do it until I did that asking for approval to list just generic without the UPC at all. So that's how I would go about doing that. Again, when you go to list a new product, like like you're making a brand new product, one that's not on Amazon, you just hit the little box that says my product doesn't have an identifier and then go through those steps to be able to list it generic. Now create a new listing that has, because one has a lot of competition, that is not something I would ever do nor recommend it. I don't think there's anything as too much competition, honestly. Like just don't buy a lot of them. And if the price is at a price that you will make profit on, then list with them. You will get the buy box. You will add it to the rotation of buy box eligible sellers. If you're annoyed that there's too much competition and the price is too low to not make profit, well, guess what? Even if you make a new listing, you're not going to be able to list it for a lot of money when this other listing exists. So even though you don't have competition, it might not sell. So that's not a thing that I ever really worry about is how much competition is on a listing. And I would never make my own listing I mean, you can do it for sure if you want to. It's just not something that I find valuable or worth my time to do when the listing already exists. I would just list along with all the other sellers on the other listing. Tara asked, how do you list a variation of product that is already listed? I've got some things to list, but the colors are not listed at all. So there is a way to add a variation to an existing product page. I have never had success with it ever. I've also not heard of a lot of people, but I do know that there's a video somewhere out there on YouTube because someone in the group posted it and it tells you how to do a variation. Again, for me, it's not worth my time to wish that this product was on Amazon in this color. If I see that it's not the color that I can buy in the store, I just go on and I scan the next thing. Now you can, technically you can add a variation. You might have to open a help ticket with Amazon. That's what I've done in the past. They'll send you some form where you have to like fill out the Excel sheet, then upload it back. Long story short, I've done it a couple times. It never works for me, but I know it's possible. So unfortunately, I don't have the information for you, but I do know that it's out there and that it's possible for those who are willing to push and pursue. <laughs> Anne asked, if Amazon is on a listing, does Keepa tell you how many they have left like it does other sellers? Yes. It does. So this is the paid Keepa. You can see it both in the app. If you go to the item and then you scroll over to offers, you'll see there, it'll tell you how many they have in stock. So this example has a thousand, Amazon has a thousand in stock. So you can see that they have a thousand. On the Amazon product page, it might not tell you in the featured area, you might have to click the little see other offers box. And when you see those other ones, then it'll tell you how many Amazon has. Again, they have a thousand plus on this one. And then you scroll and you can see how many of the other sellers have. Monica asked, what is the main thing you look at on Keepa? I need all the Keepa tips. So anytime I'm looking at Keepa, when I'm in store, I'm pulling up Keepa either one because something's sold out currently and I want to know what it was selling for. And in that case, I go over to offers and I toggle the little switch that says historical offers so I can see the historical offers and what they were priced at. 
if something is not sold out but just seems too good to be true for me, that is when I go to Keepa in store and I look at was first thing I want to know is Amazon ever selling it? You can see that in the yellow shaded area if Amazon was ever selling it because why I'm looking for that possible that Amazon is just sold out. They used to sell it for $12 and I see I can sell it now for $30. But if Amazon's going to come back on or they sold out relatively recently, well, then I need to make sure that I have that information so that I'm not going to buy it, right? If Amazon's probably just sold out for a moment, I don't want to buy it and then end up selling it for less than I bought it for. So I look to see if Amazon, other than that, what you want to look for is, is the price stable? Again, you can see that on the top app. This is all paid Keepa. Is the price stable as if it's always selling for $30 or is it selling for like sometimes $12, sometimes 19 up to 24 and 30. And then what happens is when things go expensive like that, that are normally lower, you'll also see the sales rank increase. So I want to know if the sales rank is stable or did I just happen to scan it when something recently sold? So the sales rank is down, but normally it lives in the 500 thousands. You can see all that before you buy something right in Keepa. So those are the main things that I'm looking for. Like I mentioned, if the price goes up, the sales rank usually also goes up with it, just meaning maybe it's not selling as fast, but that doesn't mean that you can't also sell it for $30, just knowing that the rank is gonna be a little higher, so it might take longer to sell. On the third graph on Keepa, the paid version, you can also see how many offers. So you can see if you're worried about a brand possibly doing IPs, you can see that in Keepa, like does that brand usually only have the one listing and that's theirs, like the brand selling it? Or is there normally like five or six different offers on it all the time? So you can see that in the offers area. Brian asked, it doesn't seem to affect much, but I'm curious how to bring up the account health score because you don't want below 200. Currently I'm at 350 and I've been at 350 for a very long time. So my account health is anywhere from like 300 to 350 also all the time. And so if, if it's in the green, I really, that's all I care about. I'm not worried about it otherwise. Obviously, anytime you get a potential counterfeit or a potential IP or an actual IP or an actual counterfeit, you want to make sure you're taking the steps to appeal those, acknowledge them and get them off your account. Sometimes it just means clicking the box saying, I acknowledge that I made a mistake, even though you didn't make a mistake. We're just saying we did just to get it off our account and it comes off in a matter of minutes. Sometimes you have to appeal it with a plan of action or a POA template. As long as you're taking care of any of the things that are in that account health, there's really nothing more you could do. It's kind of annoying that they have it out of a thousand because I've never heard of anyone actually, I've never heard of anyone over 400. So as long as you're in the green, it doesn't matter. You're good. Like, don't worry about it. Sadiq asked, hello, Nikki. I'm wanting to start selling on Amazon in the US from India. Is it possible? Well, Sadiq, I am pretty sure it's possible. I just don't know how you would do it. It's not something I'm an expert in or know anything about, but I imagine that you could order stuff with your you know, account, have it sent to a prep center and pay the prep center to do it for you. So I don't see how you couldn't do it, but again, I don't know anything about it. So, so sorry. And finally, Mike asked, what are transparency codes and how can we know this information before buying it? So unfortunately, you might not know if it needs a transparency code or has a transparency code before you buy it, but you can kind of get the hang of it. So a lot of electronics now have transparency codes. The first thing I encountered was actually a hairdryer at TJ Maxx and it asked for it. I had no idea what it was, so I just took it back to TJ Maxx. However, I do know what it is now. 
So a transparency code, you can Google it to see what it looks like. It is a like blue T and it kind of looks pixelated. And then it has a QR code next to it. It's usually right next to where the UPC is on the item. To get approved for transparency codes, all you have to do is have five of an item. Now make sure because things might have changed. But last I saw, you had to have five of them and you just took a picture of the five of them and sent it to Amazon. Transparency codes are just making sure it's basically tracking the inventory because, you know, like a couple years ago with all that looting that was going on and storefronts and all that. So it's basically just a way to track where the inventory came from, from so the brand can track and where it's sold at. So that means if you bought, if I happen to buy five of the hair dryers from TJ Maxx, I could just take a photo of the five transparency codes, send them and get approved to sell it that way on Amazon. If Amazon is asking or saying it's transparency code enabled and you don't see that code on the box, just open a help ticket and send it to Amazon and be like all sides of the photos or of the packaging and just tell them, you know, I think this was a mistake because as you can see here, it does not have one on the box. But in general, as long as you have five of it, you're perfectly fine to sell it. You just, it's hard because you don't necessarily know it needs it ahead of time when you're buying it. As I mentioned, I am in my Facebook groups all the time, the YSG community Facebook groups. So we have the Bolo group, the retail arbitrage Bolo group, where we are actively sharing every month. When I'm outsourcing, I'm sharing leads in the group, again, that make $5 minimum profit, 50% ROI. And it's not only me though, everyone else in the group is also sharing. And not only that, it's just a supportive, positive community of sellers who are there looking out for one another, asking questions, answering questions, all with kindness and the we all learn together, we're all making money together. It's a really fantastic group and I so enjoy being a part of it. You can join it. Check it out at yoursellingguide.com slash bolo or check it out in the show notes here. You are more than welcome. I would love to see you in the group. We have a great time and as Q4 comes ever closer, the Q4 group will also be opening this year. So stay tuned for that. But thank you guys so much for tuning in. As always, if you want to be a guest on the podcast, I would love to chat with you. Email me at podcast at yoursellingguide.com. Please leave me a review wherever you're listening to this podcast. If you're listening on YouTube, leave me a comment and let's chat. Until next week, happy sourcing.